All right. Welcome to the Time Is Now podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stafford. This week, we'll speak about the Lance Armstrong doc. And MJ is the GOAT, but is he the GOAT of business? And also, we will talk about the greatest starting fives. ESPN just released that. Now, which one is the best, in your opinion? We'll speak about all these different things and more. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the other side. This past Sunday, there's no more Last Dance. Sorry, guys. I've heard people say that they wish it went 20. I don't know about that. I think that is about as far as you can stretch out of one season and in 10 hours. I, I think I got enough of it. It was pretty good, but I um, heard a lot of criticism and understandable. So what are we left with now? Well, we got a two-part series. Um, the 30 for 30 Lance Armstrong docu- documentary, it's pretty good, actually. Um, what, what I like about it is educational. For me, I'm not a cyclist. I've never really followed cycling like that. And kind of like how Tiger Woods, when he broke onto the scene and did his thing and made it very exciting, um, globalized it. Being when American, for some reason, when an American breaks through, then it's it's epic and it's great. And not just break through, break through and start breaking records. And Lance Armstrong, he did that. Now, what I took away from this, I got to learn that this guy was a sheer, you know what, just an a-hole. I mean, oh my goodness. But, you know, you can say a lot of the reasons behind that. I started to see that his circle wasn't too nurturing either. It started to feel a little bit bad for him, looking how he was raised and, and all the different men who came into his life to attempt to raise him. And then the lack of structure that came from from his mother not to criticize his mother but it is what it is that's what i got from it and then you know i I, it was good to learn the history of the tour de france i mean i can see why the people were so enraged but it really goes to see they were enraged because their their idolatry and how they were putting him on a pedestal and feeling as if they felt cheated because of everything he stood for but like they said in the doc sometimes bad people do good things and that should not be overlooked i mean he was complaining about the doping and no one was doing anything about it because you know why the playing field was even so even though the doping you had different winners every year so it did there was no outlier but then when this man beat cancer testicular cancer comes back at an older age not that old but when he was dominating he was like 15 16 17 years old and he became pro around 2021. So as a decathlon and so forth, they talk about all that. But he was just such a dominant figure. And then he beat cancer, then comes back and wins the Tour de France, which is by far, they said it's like running a marathon 20 days in a row. That right there was, I didn't know that. So it was just amazing to get that tutorial and that background, but for him to come back, like I said, and be dominant after, you know, being at an older age as he was and, and beating cancer, it was the outlier. But see, this is the thing. He was only doing what everyone else was already doing. So it just really, I don't feel like it should be, his legacy should be tarnished because he was leveling the playing field for himself. He was just showing you that if everyone was clean, he would be dominated even after cancer. What you think about that? All he was doing is leveling it. So by him being so dominant, 
they had to go in and start investigating and looking into all the different things and um, the drug EPO and whatnot. But all it, all it really did was remind me of Barry Bonds and how the hypocrisy of it all, because he was in the era of people, it's not called doping, but the, the steroids era is what they call it. And for him to be blackballed, and you know, the thing that's crazy, they never proved Barry Bonds guilty. They, they have no shred of evidence except for the physical <laughs> the eyeball test the guy's head was the size of a doggone basketball but when you see those different things and and you see that he starts breaking records left and right then people want to be up in arms but all he was doing is leveling the playing field of the sosas and mcguires of the world and that brings me to the next thing i can't wait till this 30 for 30 concludes not that i i'm wanting to hurry to be concluded but they're going to do other 30 for 30s that are on the horizon. And one of those is the long gone summer, which highlights Sosa and Maguire. That to me, I'm as a novice baseball fan. That was the, the highlight. That was the exciting era for me. Because when when Gibson did the home run and the fist pump, as I'm in Los Angeles and I am a Dodgers fan, that's what got me to actually start watching the sport back in 88 as the Lakers were on the top and the Dodgers were on the top. And it was just a great time to be an L.A. fan. The steroids era as an adult was the time for me. And just that battle back and forth was amazing. So I can't wait to see how they illustrate that. And also too, be water with the Bruce Lee uh, 30 for 30 that's approaching that will be after following this series with Lance Armstrong. Can't wait. I have all of Bruce Lee's films and I'm a huge fan and um, just, just, just really can't wait. So we'll talk about that as, as they come up from the weeks to come. And then obviously next week, we'll talk about the conclusion of the Lance Armstrong doc. Now ESPN just released the greatest starting fives of all time. There's some great teams on there. And I noticed that. Um, but you can see that many teams weren't great throughout the history of the NBA, notably um, even the San Antonio Spurs, who won all their titles in roughly two decades. Everyone on the team has been from that dynasty, except for the exception of the Iceman, George Gervin. And then you even have the same thing in Golden State, where um, they have pretty much the team from a couple of years ago, just add in, insert Will Chamberlain. They've never had a dominant center, but adding Will Chamberlain is just crazy. Um, you even have the Clippers. We know they don't have historic history, but they added Kawhi on there. He's only been on there for a portion of the season. I thought that was pretty hilarious. And to have Kawhi, but then not have Paul George is all you need to know of which teams would want to be more dominant, this Lakers franchise or um, the Clippers. But it just goes to show you that the Clippers really aren't that great. And you have to understand what they're doing here is putting who was great in that uniform, who was great for that franchise not all the great players who ever played for the team but if that's the case the lakers would have mcadoo on here first of all the lakers bottom five is greater than a lot of these teams starting five with the lakers they put magic johnson jerry west kobe bryant kareem abdul jabbar shaquille o'neal now i don't agree with this list kareem abdul jabbar first of all was never a forward he was always a center since he was a young kid so they're doing that because they feel like they could not choose between Kareem and Shaq. And I say the decision's quite easy. You put in Kareem. Shaquille's dominant force. Yes, he is. But Kareem does it all with the only unstoppable shot in the history of the league. You put Kareem there at center and don't be scared. Um, you could have easily put James Worthy there as another forward. 
but they did not. And they actually have Kobe out of position as well. They have Kobe Bryant along with Jerry West. Magic Johnson, you can't remove him. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you cannot remove him. Those two are staples. You got to put them in there. Um, but you could have put Worthy, but I say put Pau Gasol. Kobe's running mate. Pau Gasol is easily the best power forward in Lakers history, period, point blank. And to not have him on here is a travesty. Kobe doesn't win those last two titles without Pau Gasol. And there's a video clip of him talking about that. I actually have it, but we won't play it today. You can't have Pau Gasol off this list. You take Shaq off, put Pau on. I understand Shaq is better than Pau, but we're talking about positions right now. And I'm not talking positionless basketball. And this may be, um, it's tough. I think you actually have to have Jerry West on here. I know a lot of people say put on LeBron, but what has LeBron done in purple and gold? A lot of nothing. Mr. Playoffs last year and this year right now, we don't know, but he has yet to win a title. Jerry West can at least say he's done that and also has brought titles as a as a GM. So you got to have Jerry West on here. You could have put a lot of people on here. There's a lot of people. Lakers bottom five is um, better than a lot of starting, like I said. But Jerry West, other than that, I agree with it. Take Shaq off, put Powell on. But the Lakers obviously has the more historic franchise. And the other most historic franchise um, is the Boston Celtics. And I was shocked when I saw the results here. Like I said, a lot of recency bias. Well, not really so much because you still have Bob Cousy on here. And you have John Havlicek. No disagreements here. You have Bill Russell. Can't disagree there either. I will put Bill Russell over Parrish. But to see Paul Pierce. <laughs> I know. See, the thing is, Celtics fans are so happy. This man was there through their dark ages. And he stuck it out and finally got one. All granted with the big three. This is when people were finally starting to do that. This would led uh, LeBron to do this in Miami on his own. And then you started seeing all these teams start putting together super teams. But no, Paul Pierce getting car carried off the floor with that bogus injury. A lot of people said he had the bubble guts. I I'm not doing it. No, you cannot have Paul Pierce ahead of Mikhail. I'm sorry. I watched those games as a kid. Mikhail, a lot of people like Charles Barkley say that's the best post guy he's ever played against. And he's not alone in saying that. The round mound of rebound, give him the props. I'm going to give him the props too. That's a travesty. You got to take him off. But there's other teams, a lot of players making several teams like LeBron against with Cleveland and also Miami. Um, you got Will Chamberlain with um, the Sixers and also with uh, the Warriors. You got players all over KDs with OKC and also with the Warriors, which is also recency. That goes, goes to show you their history isn't that great. So it's pretty cool to see this list and how it all breaks down and just how great these players are who've moved from teams to team. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's just, it's really fun to do these things. But I think number one, the top team is the Lakers. But when, I, when I'm looking at this now and I see the Lakers on here and I'm getting all this good vibes from the good old days of Laker Nation, there was a tough time in our history that happened um, years ago this weekend, I believe it was 1985. And that's the Memorial Day Massacre. My goodness. My goodness. We got blown out worse than anyone in history against the Boston Celtics. But guess what? I believe we came back and won that series. Go ahead and take a listen. The Celtics and Lakers rivalry was the perfect drama for a nationwide audience. Okay, now take four again, John. 
Uh, let me just see what it would look like without the white light. With the involved plot complications of the Celtic dynasty and the Lakers' revenge, viewers watched in record number. So Larry Bird's injury, of course, is number one, but the Celtics certainly have more problems than the Lakers, and for more on that, let's go back upstairs to Brent. Okay, now take four again, John. So we are set to begin now, it is game one. We are down to the magnificent two. It's the Lakers and the Celtics coming up on CBS. Interest was building. Before the Celtics and Lakers would grind elbows, they had to square off against a different kind of opponent. Pre-game tension. It affects even the most seasoned athletes. For the Lakers, it was a tough battle amidst Boston's zealous supporters. The Celtics had their own case of the warm-up jitters. Their fans were so accustomed to Celtic championships that they practically demanded it. They were ready to chalk up another victory to Boston's illustrious 15-1 finals record. For both sides, pregame tension was inescapable. A world championship, the thunderous din, the superb competition, all beneath the legendary banners of basketball's most hallowed hall. They were the supreme ingredients for the year's most anticipated moment, the rematch of the NBA's best two teams. No team has won back-to-back -back championships since the Bill Russell Celtics, a legacy Larry Bird hoped to revive. Bird was one of five championship MVP winners on hand. Another was Magic Johnson, who vowed to redeem himself from last year's poor showing. But in a series highlighted by star-studded lineups, Game One's pace setter didn't even appear on the marquee. Danny Ainge, the greenest of the Celtics starters, took over as Boston's floor leader. Last year, Ainge watched his predecessor, Gerald Henderson, riddle the Lakers with timely outside shooting. Now it was his turn to be dead solid perfect. Ainge's 15 first quarter points boosted the Celtics to a comfortable and seemingly effortless lead. Ainge has always enjoyed a fine reputation as a streak shooter, but rarely in a game of this magnitude. His performance was convincing and slightly unexpected. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's was simply unexpected. As the Lakers customarily do during an opposition's hot streak, they turned to Kareem to provide stability. But Kareem was wobbly at best. Robert Parrish threw Kareem's low post offense completely off balance. It was remarkably reminiscent of game one in the Philadelphia series when Parrish dominated Moses Malone. Kareem's game looked flat, and his hustle was closer to a four-tire blowout. The Lakers were taught a first-half lesson in humility, led by Parrish's mastery over Kareem. The future Hall of Famer turned in his worst game as a playoff performer, enabling Boston to establish a championship record of 79 first-half points. And if that wasn't enough, the Celtics were thirsting for more. Casey Jones wanted to keep his team sharp. He inserted Scott Wedman, who promptly took over where Ainge left off. The sharpshooting swingman connected on all 11 of his field goal attempts, including an incredible four for four tally from three point range. Wedman exemplified Boston's day of perfection. For all the glorious games played in Celtic history, Boston had never enjoyed a game quite like this. 
The Celtics' 148-114 to win marked the greatest margin of victory ever in an NBA Finals contest. Celtic delirium captivated the Garden. Even loyal Laker fans had to acknowledge this awesome display of basketball might. But the Lakers themselves were not ready to throw in the towel. They would have to come back from a Memorial Day massacre, and Casey Jones knew it best. This was a, this was a whipping, and uh, they're going to come smoking and burning, and this is going to be a motivating point for them uh, for the next ball game. Uh, so come Thursday, we know uh, we're in deep trouble, and we have to come out and try to uh, match the intensity that they're going to come out with. Uh, they were going on all cylinders and they were primed and ready for the first home game, and they deserve a lot of credit. We'll be back, you know. If uh, seven game series can be decided in one game, then it would be over with, but there's going to be six more basketball games. Everyone, let's take a quick break. Uh, today is May 26th. We want to give a special shout-out to some birthdays out there. First, Lauren Hill. She's 45 today. Lenny Kravitz is also 56 and WWE wrestler Alberto Del Rio. He's 42 today. I want to say God bless all of them and many more continued birthdays. And just thinking about this weekend and birthdays and just life, Kobe Bryant's baby girl, Coco. She just took her first steps, saw it on Instagram over the weekend. Um, just a delightful thing. And just to know that Kobe is is not here and she will never really get a chance to know his daughter is somber so let's go ahead and celebrate life while we can okay now back to the show now over the weekend i stumbled across um a post where it was people in our community really arguing the fact of who did a better business negotiation. They're talking about Jordan, how he is getting roughly a hundred million a year from Nike brand and how that's such a great thing or whatnot. And that it's actually better than Kanye getting 15% of Adidas net shares. Or is it net or gross? I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it is the net shares though. And um, a lot of people, many, I'm talking about over 70% were saying that Jordan receiving that constant 100 million was adequate but actually looking it up he actually made immense over 130 million but nike the jordan brand sold over 3.1 billion dollars last year so by jordan receiving 130 million means he received about 4.2 percent and kanye's getting 15 percent. well many will say okay well that's still pretty decent well um, Adidas, they made over 1.91 billion total last year. And if you do that conversion, that's in euros, okay? And when you convert that into US dollars, that's over $2.148 billion. Now, by doing that math of Kanye getting 15% of that, he made over $322 million from having that 15% share which you can see is roughly three times more than Michael Jordan. Now, Jordan is a billionaire and he's the owner of a team and all those different things. But as you can see, if you bet on yourself, you will make a lot more money to get that residual, to get that, that percentage is always great. 
always bet on yourself, guys. Now, let's just do really quick math. If Kanye was getting 15% from the Jordan brand, or if Jordan would have had the same deal as Kanye getting a 15%, which they would have easily given him because he's making them tons of money. But Jordan, instead of making 130 million, would have made 465 million dollars just from selling shoes. I mean, good lord, that's a lot of money. Woo, Kanye for the win. Last Friday, Joe Biden was on The Breakfast Club and this is what he had to say. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see Take you. Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on, take a look at the record. You know, I've been critical of you. Um, I, I have a few things I want to talk to you about. Today. I know you have. Yeah. You don't know me. No, I don't. That's why I want to get to know you today. I want to get to know you today. Um, I want to talk to you about mostly black stuff. I get overwhelming support from the black leadership, young and old. Every poll shows me way ahead. And black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you. And one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. We've seen it more clearly now. In a, in a black majority county, they're six times more likely to die in a pandemic than a white county. They're disproportionately uninsured in the African-American community, disproportionately make up the essential jobs that they, that they can't do at home. They're risking their lives every day. Enough's enough. What's, what's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just sauce. Really? You, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you getting information right now? <laughs> Hot sauce. Hot sauce wow. in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Yes. Now yes. listen, I just want you to know, people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it working? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now you see on the tail end of that, we have um, Senator Clinton, Hillary Clinton, with her comments she made when she was running four years ago. And it just goes to show how the pandering, and, and they, it, this is a difficult subject for me. I try not to get into this political realm, but it, it's when it's in your face and it affects you directly, you have to say something. I mean, they're, they're saying these different things and it's because at the end of the day, they really don't give a damn. All they want is your vote so they can do their agenda. But what about our agenda? I heard things by Diddy talking about how he's going to hold his vote hostage. Okay. All that is is just, to me, that's dangerous rhetoric. Hold it hostage for what? You want the man in the office who says they're going to grab him by the pussy? So what do we really do? Last week, we, I talked about how we should do things on the local level and build up, build our candidates up like we did President Obama. 
what a great man that was and you would say that i'm saying that because he's black no put him <laughs> make him a white man and he'll be even greater because in the eyes of those people they feel as if they can only receive information when it's from white people but you know what i got some more facts from a white person listen to this you know of all the comments that i've received from my last post this one hit me the most and i'll tell you why you see this timeline up here? 246 years of slavery, 89 years of segregation, and the 1954 today is 66 years of so-called freedom. And PSA, the people that were segregated back in there, still alive today, still living in those segregated areas. And PSA, these are the poorest neighborhoods in the country that are being gentrified by white people. So if you know basic math, this is about 401 years of being told, you suck, you can't build up, but you can work for us on our plantation. That's 401 years of being falsely accused of crimes you did not commit and being racially profiled. That's 401 years white people had to build up themselves. Mm -hmm. But yet you went, people of color do it in 66 years while they're still being targeted say that that's 401 years of oppression which brings on depression and crime and violence and anecdotes are not data so when black lives finally matter then all lives will matter now you see those were facts but it's just funny that if it comes from one of us then it falls on deaf ears and it's just all oh, the race card the race card well it's not a card it's just the hands you were dealt you guys only seem to listen when it comes from one of y'all like i said before remember a time to kill see these differences these issues don't really seem to be going away no time soon so what do we do right now we've never had more black millionaires and billionaires in the history of the united states of america so let's speak with our dollar. When I'm looking at the things that are going on in the collegiate realm and they're still trying to have our collegiate athletes, quote unquote, collegiate athletes march onto the field of play in the ultimate contact sport and wanna go ahead and try to capitalize on them and use them as guinea pigs for this whole thing we call COVID-19, I say, do they really give a damn about our children, about us? They're not paying them a dime and they wanna go out there and parade them on the field and risk them. My thing is this, if you're not opening up the schools, these are student athletes, you should not open up the field. It should not occur unless you're gonna pay them. Let them make the decision. You can't do that. And I don't feel that is right. So with that, I'm thinking to myself, with all these black billionaires and millionaires, why can't we just start to invest in HBCUs, historical black colleges? Why not? When my daughter's of age, I'm definitely gonna to try to veer her that way. Now I can't force her. If she gets a scholarship somewhere else, we have to really consider that. So I am putting together her college fund as we speak. But what I'm saying is, why can't we invest in those schools? Why can't all these top collegiate athletes? I know they fear they, they think they have to go to one of their schools. You got to go to the SEC. You got to go to the Pac-12. You got to go to the to the to the Big West. You got to go to the, the to the all these top conferences. But you don't have to. If they all stand together and go to a historical black college and boost those programs up and the Jay-Z's and the P. Diddy's and the Dr. Dre's and, and the Oprah's of the world and, and, and the Tyler Perry's of the world can come together and funnel money those ways to those programs. And by all the top collegiate athletes going there, that'll be a huge change, a huge economical shift. And I think that'll be great. Even better so for the basketball programs 
Because right now, you're going to have the one and done's going to be over. Now what? What are you going to do? All those top guys, it's not like you guys are going to get any look going to be one and done's or even two year and out. Why not go to HBCU? If you guys do anything like they did in Michigan with the Fab Five, imagine a Fab Five at Morehouse. Imagine a Fab Five at Grambling. My goodness. How amazing. Like, you could, they'll be undeniable. You will have to put them on television. And even if you didn't, there are people who will still draft you because the NBA is going to want the top talent. Period. You see that happening all the time. Kawhi Leonard went to Fresno State. Where did Pippen go again? Central Arkansas? Come on, man. You will get drafted. You will get seen. Go out there and do your thing. Bill Russell went to the San Francisco University. Come on, guys. It happens. But you have to take that stand. Let your dollars work for you. Start becoming lobbyists and lobby for the people that you want. Start them at the lower levels. But we have to make a move. A time is now. This has never been a greater time to affect things. This We're in the information age. The information is right there for you to do it. These schools will take you happily. But we got to make a move. Quit giving them our money. Quit giving them our energy. Y'all going to do what you want. But I'm going to tell it like it is. Like that and always like that. Until next time, I'll see y'all later. Time is now. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys. That is our show for this week. Um, if you really like it, go ahead and hit subscribe and share with all your friends and family. Really appreciate you guys for listening. Now for our final word. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. First Corinthians 11, 18, 19. To all you guys, have a great day. God bless.